Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? A little rainy, a little wet, but you know, what's the alternative? Hot and muggy. Well, it's hot and muggy anyway. Oh, well. We're gardeners. We'll deal with it. Hey, y'all, I'm horticulturist Fellow Rushing, and you've tuned in to the Gestalt Gardener, which is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's a weekly program, and we're going to be talking about, on this first weekend of Summer Day broadcast, we're going to be talking about stuff you can be doing in your southern garden. And it's a live program, so if you've got some things you want to talk about or what's going on or not in your garden, or you got some issues or some things you just want to kick around with a guy who doesn't sell anything for a living, who can tell the truth about stuff, give me a call. We're going to come back after a little bit of news and talk with you this thing we call the Gestalt Gardener, a garden party that you don't even have to get dressed up to come to. So welcome, folks. We'll take a little news and come back with more right here on MPB, Gestalt Gardener. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, doke folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. We're going to be talking about gardening for the next hour or so. I hope hope you're up for it because uh, there's not much not much you can be doing out there right now. It's rained all week. Uh, I got two and a half inches. Uh, this week alone, I forget what I got last weekend, but uh, just during the week while I was gone up to St. Louis at the Botanical Garden, I got two and a half inches of rain. And uh, what else? Oh, yeah, and I got called something new, Java. Um, I got to remember which one of these buttons because I got to sneeze in a second. And I, unless everybody wants to hear it, you know, give us a call or else I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> We're going to be talking about gardening here. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and I have gotten just back from the botanical garden up in St. Louis, uh, a couple of sculpture gardens, a really interesting museum, and uh, just riding around some of the older neighborhoods watching what people in a settled place do with small spaces, small space gardening, and all the amazing things you can get out of a real, real small space. But before I left, uh, I went to my local pub, and I don't know exactly, I'm going to take this as a compliment Java, but this fellow was, was it was yeah this fellow sitting next to me it was good intentions yeah but we we we've been we've been you know hosting hoisting pints together for years I don't know his name you know it's one of those kind of places you go you go for the for the blinking lights and the noise and the camaraderie you don't really want to get into who anybody is anyway he finally said you're a failure rushing <laughs> after all these all these years I've been seeing this guy you know I don't know his name he doesn't know my name and finally he said I listen to you all the time on the radio I never would have thought you'd look like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. It may not have been a compliment. No, no, no. But I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got old, I'm an old, long-haired, gray guy, ex-hippie or whatever. And uh, sat on an aircraft during Vietnam. I earned the right to not have to cut my hair ever again. So anyway, he said, you've been on the place a long time. You're like a rock star. I said, whatever. He said, and I love this job. He said, you are the rolling stones of cucumbers. Now, I'm not sure about that. Is that a... Um, T-shirt material, Rolling Stone of cucumbers. We might have to put that on a shirt. I don't know. Do you think you play you play the cucumber? No, no, no. <laughs> but you know, for the, you know, the Rolling Stones. You know, to music. You know, there are dinosaurs out there playing. You know, music. Well, I'm a I'm an old guy talking about cucumbers. I guess. Anyway, you can just call me the R S of C. 
Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I, I take it as a compliment. There you go. Uh, and before we get into some phone calls, I hear they're starting to roll in already. This is a live program. If you want to give us a call here this first uh, weekend, just past the solstice. Is, uh, the, today is shorter than yesterday, so we're free-falling sooner or later towards fall and cooler weather. But it's going to get hotter ahead of time. A couple of things going on, though. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Steve Barr, who's an engineer here at, at MPB. Back in the spring, he gave me some seeds of this plant called yard-long beans. Yard-long beans are, they're, they're, they're regular snap beans. You don't have to, to, you know, string them or anything like that. They're snap beans, but they're anywhere from two to three feet long, skinny as a pencil, two to three feet, feet long, bright green. You can stir fry. When you eat them anyway, you can, you can do uh, green beans. But anyway, he gave me some seeds, and, uh, and I've, it, I've shared them with other people. i got a friend named Jesse Yancey, and his are already up uh, oh, seven or eight feet tall. They're, they're climbing beans. But anyway, Steve brought in some. He picked this morning, and it's a big thing. I can barely put my hand around this wad of beans. And they're, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you do it. Okay, here's a green bean being dragged across a microphone. That's how long it is. I'll do it one more time. Can you hear that? I don't know. I've never, I've never done string bean sounds before, Java. That was it. It really did uh, show how long they're like. They're like the dreadlocks of the, uh, yeah, of, the of the plant family. Yeah, I'm gonna tuck them under my hat and just call you know call me call him on. You know you're, you're the you're the uh, uh, the uh, oh foo I'm drawing a total blank. The reggae guy. Yeah, you got you gonna uh, yeah. oh man, you gonna be like tomato Marley or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're gonna be talking about gardening. Uh, I do want to mention this is something interesting coming up this weekend. Uh, we, uh, and I'm gonna be down on the coast uh, at another event, but I might be able to make it back. But the Bailey Avenue Garden Club. Now we're talking about the Bailey. This garden club's been in existence since 1956. Uh, its membership is, is African American women and men, and their hobby is gardening. They routinely get together on, on all sorts of community service projects. Uh, they have garden tours. Uh, they take trips to museums and all that. But anyway, the Bailey Avenue Club, some some great people. I've been to one of their plant sales before. I'm sorry I missed it this past weekend, uh, this past uh, spring. Anyway, the Bailey Avenue Garden Club in Jackson is going to have its 55th annual flower show this coming Sunday, June the 25th. It's going to be from 3 to 5 in the afternoon, this uh, June the 25th. It's going to be at the White Fellowship Hall of Hope Springs Missionary Baptist Church. It's on Livingston Road in Jackson. They're going to have all sorts of potted plants and hanging baskets and floral arrangements uh, for the church, home, office, miniature specimens, dried arrangements, cut flowers. They're going to have all sorts of stuff um, and with an interesting category like busy hostess or church arrangements or tiny places. Uh, anyway, they're going to have all sorts of, uh, of awards and all. It'll be gardening, home gardening at its finest. Bailey Avenue Garden Club, 55th Annual Flower Show, Sunday, June the 25th from 3 to 5 at the uh, Fellowship Hall of Hope Spring MB Church on Livingston Road in Jackson. Hope y'all can make it to it. They're wonderful people. They're real gardeners. And some of the plants I've gotten from them in plant sales in the past, I've already shared with other folks. Anyway, give us a call if you've got some events. We love to help promote things. Uh, shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Or give us a call if you've got a, a garden-related event. Love to help promote it. Meanwhile, let's go down to Ocean Springs. Hey, Dawn, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh-huh. I'm doing good. It's sunshine this morning. No more rain for the last <laughs> yeah. 
couple of days were drowned. Yeah. Um, I'm calling about my limelight hydrangeas. Uh-huh. I, pur- I purchased some last year because my neighbor had some beautiful ones. And this year they're not blooming. And I've treated them like my other. I have lace caps and just the regular old traditional hydrangeas. Uh-huh. And they are not doing anything. So I wanted to know, do I have to treat them differently than my others? You know, not really. And, and by the way, I've been thinking about limelight, believe it or not. This sounds real geeky, but it's true. I've been thinking about them uh, all week because last week a lady called and wanted to know how she could change her pink or blue hydrangeas into yellow ones. And I'm thinking, there's not a yellow hydrangeas. And then limelight is sort of a pale yellow. It's a cool one. Anyway, I saw a lot of them up in Missouri. The deal on hydrangeas, the further north you grow, you, you go, the better they grow. And on the Gulf Coast, if we have a real mild winter uh, or a lot of rain or a lot of fertilizer, anything that keeps them from being lean and mean, uh, they may not bloom on time. You can still bloom. It's not, it's not by no means too late for them to bloom. But uh, uh, okay. the fact we have such a mild winter, I think it's going to throw a lot of plants that do better further north a little bit off. So, uh, okay, so don't dig them up. Give oh, them no. Up. Oh, heck no. Okay. I mean, if nothing else, they got great leaves. Yes, they do. Uh, what about fertilizer? Do you put a bunch on them? Not a lot. Maybe in the spring and in the fall, and that's it. No, that's twice too much. Okay. Yeah, just give them a, a little scant handful of fertilizer in spring. If you want to give them some in the late summer, you can, but we want to let plants settle down before fall. Uh, it's sort of, you know, toughen up before winter. Because we have such a mild winter, you can fertilize them in the fall. They can put on a lot of growth that keeps them a little tender going through the winter. So let's just give them a light feeding in the spring and then uh, an occasional good soaking. You know, if you're watering more, more than every couple of three weeks, you might be too much. So just a okay. good, you know, good deep soaking every now and then, a little fertilizer in the spring. Let's see what happens. Thank you very much. Okay, Dawn. Good luck on Bye-bye. it. All righty. Give us a call, folks. We have the lines are open. Toll free, 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-MPB-RING. It's a toll free call wherever you are. And uh, it is a good morning outside, even though it's kind of a, a stormy in central Mississippi. Uh, I've got a lot of things blooming in my yard now because of all the rain. I've got some tiger lilies, those little orange things with the recurved petals and the little spots. I don't know why they call them tiger lilies. they got spots, not stripes. It's a leopard. Well, they they call tiger lilies. Anyway, they're yellow, sort of a, an orange with uh, with with uh, black spots all over them, in full bloom. Uh, also, uh, got some monkey grass, uh, some lirio that's starting to put out some blue flowers, which reminds me of the email I got this past week. Uh, Doug Shields wrote uh, last week and said his wife wants him to plant some lirio muscari variegata. Now, some of you may say liriope. doesn't really matter. Liriope, muscari, striping monkey grass, okay? Uh, won't say I have as a border for a flower bed, but uh, she wants to, to know how to plant it so I won't try to spread into and take over the bed. Uh, well, Doug, there's... Uh, there's two kinds of, well, there's three kinds of monkey grass. There's a little stuff called mondo grass. It's a little small, thin-bladed, dark green stuff. It's got a dwarf form, but it's called ophiopogon or mondo grass. But the regular monkey grass, the big stuff, it comes in two species. One is called muscari, lirio muscari, and one is spicata. And the spicata runs like crazy. You plant it, it's going to spread. It'll take over under a tree. It's actually a nice uh, a six or eight-inch tall ground cover. Or for the shade. So it'll spread. The muscari stays in a clump. 
it'll spread a little bit. Sort of like a daylily will spread a little bit, or uh, or. Uh, but anyway, it's a, it's more of a mound former, and it comes in both green and striped. And uh, so basically, you know, if you plant those a little on the high side, you know, you don't have to plant them flush with the ground. It's one of the few plants you could plant almost on top of the ground and little root from the bottom down, and it makes a nice. A uh, bushy uh, foot or so tall clump of leaves. Sometimes they can get a foot and a half or so across when they're mature, slow to spread, and you can divide it if you want to. But uh, the muscari, including the striped kind, is not a spreading kind, so I wouldn't worry about that at all. Now, let's go to uh, Clinton and talk about daylilies. Hey, Alec, good morning. Good morning. What's uh, up? Howdy. Um, I got daylilies, and uh, we've been in this house 28 years. They were here before we got here, they've never been separated. Last two years, they haven't bloomed. In fact, they even turned brown in May instead of blooming. And yeah. this year, I don't know if they've turned brown, but they we've never separated them. Are you supposed to separate them or something like that? Well, it, it really depends, Alec. You know, I, I work with daylily societies literally all over the country. Uh, you've been up in the New England. Uh, I work with groups like that, and they divide theirs all the time because they just grow the fancy kinds. And uh, and the more you divide them, the quicker they they multiply. If you don't mm-hmm. divide them, they're they're slower to spread. Some will actually crowd themselves out and make them stop blooming. But um, after all these years, um, I would suspect more is going to be a weather related thing. If we've had so much rain and humidity, sometimes they get a disease. There is a, a virus that a, a rust disease. Excuse me, it's called uh, daylily rust, and it wow. can it can even, even kill some plants. It's a real wow. serious issue with with daylily uh, lovers. To answer your question, though, if you'll dig some clumps of them up, separate them, and replant them so they got a little elbow room, it may not help them this year, but it'll certainly help them next year. Sure, sure. Now, yours are okay. uh, all different kinds, or are they just the orange kind, or what? These are just these are just the regular orange kind. Oh, those orange. You don't have to do anything to those. You know, it could be uh, over the years. Has the trees grown up around them? Are they in shade where they used to be in sun? That's true. There's a lot of trees. Okay. That may be the problem. They they, they bloom best in the broiling hot sun. Just sure. got back from Missouri. You see them growing along rock outcroppings uh, in the foothills of, of Missouri. Full sun, yeah. more flowers. <laughs> I'll give it a try then. Okay. And by the way, you can eat them. I don't know if you've ever eaten a daylily, but they're just like broccoli. Okay. Okay. Just throwing it out. If you get some flowers, enjoy them, then eat them. Okay, thank you. You bet. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. A lot of people might be surprised to find that out. But anyway, you can prepare broccoli, which is a flower bud, if you think about it. Broccoli is just a tight little blue-green cluster of flower buds. Raw, dipped, souped, sautéed, fried, any way you can eat broccoli, you can eat daylily buds and flowers. Pluck those little uh, frilly things out of the... If they're fully open, but nothing like uh, rolling a, uh, a nice little uh, light-colored, you know, yellow or orange daylily in some some uh, uh, some egg, and then some batter, some salt and pepper, frying them up. Let's go to Mobile. Hey, Gene. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. You How bet. Are you today? Fine. What's up? I'm having a hard time. Uh, I've planted these straight neck squash, yellow squash, for many years. They've always done fantastic. This year, I, I, I can't figure out why, but they all the plants at one time up and died. And the only thing I can think of, they just wilted away and died. The only thing I can think of is maybe they got too much water, too much rain. Is that possible? Well, it, it is possible, especially if they all did it at the same time, because we have to look at something general. If it was a disease you know, in the soil, and we do have them, that can, especially if you plant the same things in the same spot over and over, diseases tend to build up, but they take out a few plants at a time rather than all at once. 
So if we can rule out, you know, uh, spaceships or herbicide or something like that, we could blame it on the rain, and and that makes a lot of sense. All right. That's the only thing I could think of. I didn't know if you might have any other ideas. I've I've been fertilizing them the same way, and I've moved them around. There's only eight plants we're talking about, but I've moved them around in different parts of the garden, you know, I guess what you'd consider cultivate. Yeah, yeah. But uh, No, rotate. I couldn't figure out why they all died. Yeah, rotate. I couldn't figure out why they all just wilted away and just became mush. Okay, do you know about squash vine borers? Yeah, I've I've heard of them. I've never had any trouble with them. Well, it might be that you got to have a sudden attack of them. Uh, the moth looks like a sort of like a wasp, a little clear wing reddish moth that flies around the daytime and lays eggs. And when the eggs hatch in the caterpillars, they go on the stem. And I tell you how you can tell it is the stem will have this yellow, wet, sawdusty mush coming out of them. Okay. All and if, right. and if well, you see that, that's good. If you cut one of those open, you'll find a, a, a white caterpillar in there that'll raise the hair on the back of your hand. I mean, it's a scary-looking thing, but, you know, they'll do that, too. And it might be that you had uh, two or three moths that came through and laid a bunch of eggs at one time, and they all hatched out. You know, that's possible. But look for that uh, kind of a wet, sawdust-looking stuff coming out of the vines. Okie doke. I appreciate it, buddy. Well, that's a start. Appreciate your call. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Before we go to this next call, let me mention this. Oh, I tell you what, let me, let's take a call and then and then take a, a, a quick break. I got some other emails to share, but let's go up to Oxford. Hey, James, good morning. Hey, how's it going? I'm fine, uh, fine. What's up? Your show. Thanks. Um, you know, a quick question. Uh, so a little while back, uh, you were talking about um, maybe a website or uh, somewhere that you could look up uh, plants or trees that increase the value of your property. Hmm. Um and I was wondering if I could get that information. Well, I don't remember talking about a website like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, there there are plants where there 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 are sites where you can look plants up to find out what they are. Um, yeah. And I was uh, talking. I was also talking about you know if if you have certain certain kinds of plants, certain species in specific locations. For example, a shade tree on the west side of the house is worth more than a shade tree in a whole group of trees down by the river, but. You know, different plants have different value according to what kind of plant they are and where they're planted in the landscape. But there's not really a specific website on that I'm aware of. Okay, okay, maybe I misheard you then. Yeah, well, I'll yeah. tell you what, James, shoot me an email. You know, let's, okay. let's because if there's one out there, I want to find out about it. Be my pleasure. Yeah, I know there are some websites that you know you can calculate the value of a. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There, oh, there, know, no, there's um, a there, there's a formula for that. The the right, uh, right, the International right. Society of Arborists, the ISA. Right. Uh, is a is a group that that can you know and they do that with historic plants or when there's landscape damage and things like that. Yeah, I'm moving to a new house in Oxford, and we're just planning on doing some landscaping, and you know we want to know you know. The- yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Shoot me an email. You know, it, the 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 formula is used more or less to assess the value of a of an individual plant for insurance or something like that. But uh, I'm sure come up with some real good ideas. I think I I could help you with. So shoot me an email, James. Uh, and by the way, our email is garden at mpbonline. Org. I'm horticulturist fellow rushing. Don't know it all. Matter of fact, I got an email from somebody last week that said, I don't know much at all about edible mushrooms. The one called Fairy Ring. They said Fairy Ring mushrooms are perfectly edible. And I looked it up, and sure enough, they are. But there's some that aren't. And we'll talk about that when we come back. Anyway, this is Mississippi Public Broadcasting's weekly garden program. Every Friday, rebroadcast on Saturday. We have programs uh, Monday through Friday, every morning, all sorts of things related to all sorts of aspects of life by local people want to help you get 
better quality life and enjoy what you do. We're going to take a real quick break. Got a couple of emails. Got an uh, email about pear tree, uh, a call about pear trees. We'll do more right after this. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, you know, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. And like I started to say a little while ago, I, it's just a lot of stuff I just don't know. You know, after 30-something years of being on the radio and the newspaper and all this stuff and written all these books and the college degrees and blah, 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 a lot of stuff I wish I didn't know. But there's some stuff I just don't know and I spout off. And uh, don't mind being corrected. If I can be corrected, I like it. I uh, did get an email last week. Uh, uh, we were talking about the fairy ring mushrooms that were popping up. You know, any time we have warm weather and then some moisture, a lot of times we have this curve of mushrooms. It, it starts out as a sort of a curve of green in the grass. Well, that's the fungus uh, itself causing the grass to grow a little green, and then it'll actually die in a little bit of a curve. But in the right conditions, you have these mushrooms that pop up in a circle or a curve or something like that, and they're called fairy rings. And I said they're not edible. Well, somebody uh, uh, emailed in and said that they are edible and uh, quite tasty, as a matter of fact. And I went online and found several different uh, websites that have recipes for them, how to eat them and all, but they all had the same thing. By the way, the, the, the one that they're talking about is called Marasmus. Marasmus is the type of, type of very common fungus, a fairy ring mushroom. Um, but the problem is, and it's flat, it's kind of dry, brown, uh, but you know, the edible ones are not much more than an inch or two in diameter. And the ones we're seeing are like four inches across, and they're white. And so I did a little bit more research, come to find that other species of fungus can also form arcs or rings, and they're poisonous. So, bottom line is, I was wrong. Fairy ring mushrooms are edible, but I was right. Don't eat them unless you know what you're doing, because as the old saying goes, there are old mushroom hunters and there are bold mushroom hunters, but there are no old, bold mushroom hunters. Before we go out and start munching on those things in the curve out there, you really need to check them out because we may not always have the edible kind in our landscape. Just be safe. Let's go to Mendenhall. Hey, Leonard, thank you for holding. What's up, man? Yeah, I've got this uh, pear tree, and thank you for taking my call. Uh, last year it was it was beautiful, loaded with pears. This year it's only got two on it. Uh, the, the leaves are crinkly, got uh uh, black spots all over it, and the bark, even in the new growth, uh, uh, has has uh, uh, just began to bust or split. Yeah. Oh, whew, it could, you know my, the the most common thing uh, that we have on that is called fire blight. It looks like that that whole parts of the plant have just been burned. They're all brown and all, but but yours aren't. You didn't describe that. Look like black, just back black clumps of leaves all over the tree. I, I've seen fire blight before, yeah, and, and, and this is this is different. 
Okay. Well, there's there's several fungi that are called leaf spots. There's one that's called rust. It gets on on on, on apples and pears and crab apples and you know related members of that. And uh, there'll be circular spots, and some, some part of the year they'll be rust colored, and you can actually rub it off. And that'll affect the fruit also. But I don't know about the bark. I'm just not sure about that. So this is one of those kind of things where I really can't even make a guess without seeing it. Let me recommend this. Uh, there in Mendenhall, the, the county extension office has got a, a, a an agriculture agent. You can have him send a, a branch of that to MSU for free and find out if there's some kind of, of different kind of fungus. Bottom line is going to be the same thing. Not much we can do after the fact with, with diseases. All we can do is prune, fertilize, try to invigorate the tree and hope for next year. There's no treatment once a plant has a problem. We have to be more proactive about it. So, you know, if you get a bug on something, you can spray and kill the bug. But once the disease gets on a plant, the fungicides don't cure. They're more like protective films, sort of like putting a raincoat on. Got to do it before you get yeah. wet. So, yeah. uh, you know, so without any more information, I can't even guess. But uh, I, I do know as a, as a, as a tree surgeon, uh, I do know that the only thing I can recommend is fertilizing, pruning, and, you know, trying to get the tree back in, in good vigor. And then if you can identify what the problem is, we might be able to prevent it next year with the spray ahead of time. Okay. It's just well, it's a, not, not much help practical, Leonard, but that's the best I can do, man. Okay. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Okay, I've got another call from Picayune, but let me mention this. Uh, I got a, an email from uh, Bertha Page. She wants to know if her kitchen scraps, can she spread kitchen scraps directly around plants with composted leaves? And uh, the answer is, yeah. I throw banana peels and coffee grass, everything, you know, anything that will decompose. Uh, I just throw it. I've got a leaf pile. I just throw it on the top of that. But you can throw stuff behind your tree, behind your shrubs, around your vegetables, anything you want to do uh, to put it on top of the ground. It's called sheet composting like like a sheet on top of the ground it can smell a little bit <laughs> trust me on this and it can get uh fruit flies and you know all sorts of weird stuff at night so if you're going to do this in a big area i'd have a pile of leaves and play throw the stuff on top of the ground then throw a shovel full of stuff on top of to bury it it looks better worms can get to it better and they'll take it down on the ground and they'll eat it quickly if you leave it on top of the ground, it's no telling what all it'll do. It's pretty. Don't get me wrong. Nothing like a banana peel hanging off your your, your rose bush. But anyway, it doesn't hurt to do that. And if if you want to do it without going to a lot of trouble, spread it out uh, evenly. Don't put it in the same spot every night. You know, in other words, put it between your azaleas this week and around your roses the next week, and you know that kind of thing. But it does not hurt at all. Let's go down to Picayune. Hey, Barbara. Good morning. Oh, good morning. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. You sound cheerful. Oh, yes. It's a nice day at last. Yeah. Um, I I landscaped an area along the main road, and the water does run that way, and we've had so much rain. Yesterday, I discovered that a lot of my plants are bare-rooted. They have a light the, the light uh, leaf over them, but, but the dirt is really gone. So yeah. what do I do about that? Well, the two things, uh, you need to cover them up pretty quickly because this kind of hot weather, you know, those roots can dry out real, real fast. So if you could throw a little bit of dirt on top of them, then cover that up with shredded bark. Shredded yeah, bark, okay. you know, it's, it's less likely to wash away than, 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 than chip stuff. Shredded bark sort of, sort of uh, sticks together. And you might even want to think about uphill from those plants. Put your little clump of 
monkey grass or something. Oh, to, I got a big garden, and it all like I flooded up here where near the house, and then yeah. it all runs down to that area, and then eventually into the culvert under the road and down to the river in the bottom. Well, so. if it's if it's gonna be a problem like that, there's really not much you can do to stop the force of that water. All we can do is divert it or slow it down. Those are the two choices. You know, if you've got plants where it's gonna do this from time to time, it's always gonna be a problem. So, uh, yeah. but yeah. again, well, I, you know, I, I'm trying to <laughs> solve that problem, obviously, but I'll get those roots covered up. Thank you very much. And my limelights are not blooming this year either. And uh, on the other hand, uh, uh, on the other subject of mushrooms, my whole yard is covered with chanterelle mushrooms. I put a sign out for people to come pick them. <laughs> Nobody's working nobody's acknowledging that i've I've got some mushrooms i got in late last night from st louis and noticing the dark there's some mushrooms coming around uh in in one of my mulch areas i I forgot to look at them this morning see what they might be but well the canterelles are delicious and they're gold all over the all over the landscape okay well good and good luck on the plant and and if you're gonna keep plants in that area it's gonna be a problem then get you a little piece of chicken wire or something like that and put it just uphill from it and put mulch on that, and that'll hold the mulch in place on the uphill side of your plants. That'll help a little bit. Yeah, that's a good idea. And, well, and, I do have logs, you know, and logs. That'll I, help. That'll uh, help. I, I, those are the at the edge of the bed to just stop all that. I've, I've even seen where people take, a, a, like, broken pottery or something like that. But, but if you put something just up upstream from, from the individual plants that'll hold mulch, and that'll slow the water down and make it flow around, that'll help a lot in the long run. Okay, good idea. Thank you. Stay cool. All righty. Um, got some cheesy music. I guess um, because it's the first week in Java, can we do this? And, and we got a couple of callers on the line, but what do you think I ought to do? I think we should go ahead and give our musical, our weekly musical interlude. <laughs> <laughs> musical, a weekly musical interlude. This is something because this is the first week in the summer. Let's put an earworm out there for people to not be able to get out of their heads the rest of the, of the week. I'm horticulturist Phil Rushing. Horticulturist. Here's the MPB Gestalt Garden. We'll be right back. Roll out those lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer. Those days of soda and pretzels and beer. Roll out those lazy, Stop the sun and moon and sing a song of cheer. Just fill your basket full of sandwiches and weenies. Then lock the house up. Now you're set. And on the beach you'll see the girls in their bikinis. As cute as ever, but they never get them wet. Roll out those lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer Those days of soda and pretzels and beer Roll out those lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer You wish that summer could always be Tell a girl and fella about a driving Or 
some romantic movie scene. Why, from the moment that those lovers start arriving, you'll see more kissing in the car than on the screen. Roll out those lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer. Those days of soda and pretzels and beer. Roll. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Folks, horticulture is fairly rushing. Who are these uh, yard-long beans? They're easily two feet long, over two feet long, and that's just the first picking this summer. Yard-long beans are snap beans. Uh, they're about the diameter of a pencil, if you remember what a pencil used to be, and uh, two and a half to three feet long. Anyway, it's an amazing little plant. We're going to be talking about gardening up until the end of the hour. Let's start out uh, in Braxton. Hey, Mary, thank you for holding. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing fine. It's so good to hear your voice. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. I just wanted to say I hadn't talked to you in a long time, but I do listen quite regularly. And I want to say that you folks are my family. Well, thank you. And you know, the nice part about it is we don't even have to, we don't have to fix up for each other. That's right. Yeah, I, don't have to, I don't even have to get out of my pajamas if I don't want to. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm not out of mine. Uh, no, I'm not. That's not true. Anyway. <laughs> I'm so glad you've uh, added Java to the group. And, uh, it, I uh, don't have anything here that lives with me except my cat. Well, but <laughs> g- g- give give your cat an extra brushing for me, and when you clean the brush out, go out and stick that little wad of fur out in in, uh, in a little arrow uh, out in a tree and see if birds won't take it and make a nest with it. Yeah. Well, we- I also want to say that I don't have to be alone because I can turn on the radio. Well, thank you so much, Mary. Well, we're thinking about you all born along. Thank you so much for calling. If you get outside, put your hat on because it's going to be hot. Thank you so much. And by the way, I got an email last week from uh, from from somebody. I, I didn't write his name down. He said he told me he thanked me for talking to people so nice. But Java, I was just raised this way. You know, if you know, if if you're not nice, Mama's gonna smack you in the back of the head. Like you always say, she's right. <laughs> she's she right there behind. She's been all <laughs> been gone all these years, but I was just raised right. And besides that, you never know. It's gonna be somebody's mom or sister or daughter or. Or, or brother, or cousin, or uncle, or whatever. And the fact is, you know, we can be a little bit nice, a little cheery here. Let's go down to, to Natchez and talk with Lee. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Felder. Oh, uh, hi, Lee, ma'am. Sorry, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was not. I had heard that you were just talking about fire blight in pear. Mm-hmm. And I have a large uh, ornamental pear, Bradford pear, right. and it has extensive fire blight. Yeah. And uh, I've noticed as I travel around, every ornamental pear that I see in Natchez has it to that extent. It's a, it's, some years it's really tough on the plants. 
Yeah, and so I pulled up some information online, but it says that it is not curable and fatal. Well, uh, let's let's get people who write online, and I'm one of those kind of people. You know, the editors want us to fill up a page, and sometimes we make stuff up. And uh, we have to sound more important. But the truth is, fire blight, sometimes it kills plants, but a lot of times it doesn't. And, uh, and, and they also say you can prune it out. You probably read that you can prune it out. Yeah. All, that, all that does is spread the disease because the, the bacteria actually penetrate. It, it's, it's under the bark, sometimes two or three or more inches into the green area. So there is a cure for it. It's not really a cure. It's a prevention. They have this stuff at Garden Centers, Lee, that's called fire blight spray. And it's perfectly safe for bees. It's a bacteria side. It's streptomycin. And if you can, if it's possible to spray the trees, it may not be possible or practical, but if you can spray the trees two or three times while they're in full bloom, this puts a protective film over the flowers, which is where the bacteria gets into the tree spread from by bees. So, you know, two or three sprays while it's in bloom, and that'll prevent it for the whole year. Okay. So it's only at that at that time, the only two only two ways it gets infected one is through the flowers by bees carrying it from infected trees to your trees, or sp- spread from cut to cut with infected pruning shears. Okay, I see. Uh, so, it, it, since it's so prevalent in every other tree in the area, mm-hmm. is it worth taking that? It's re- really, you know, it's a, it's a value call. Um, you know, if if you wanted to spray, you could. But you know, another approach, and this is this is pure. Have you ever 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 heard of this stuff called falderol? No, but uh, falderol is is whimsical nonsense. Falderol, you know, okay. somebody says something that is falderol. Well, here's some falderol. And if everybody looks like that, why don't we just pretend like those are big brown flowers all over the trees? And everybody's got it, and that's normal for the trees, so let's just see that as a new norm. So uh, in in your (laughs) estimation, just leave it as it is until next summer and see what happens. You know, I taught the tree surgery course back uh, 30 years ago in Mississippi State, and back then I learned about it then. Nothing changed. There's really nothing you can do except spray to prevent it. And uh, other than that, there's nothing practical about it. Okay, then. And if uh, anybody tells you different, they're either ignorant or they're too scared to tell the truth. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much. Okay, good luck, Lee. You have a good day. Thank you, ma'am. So far, so good. Let's go. Let's talk about cucumbers. Hey, Bert, what's going on in Jackson? Get enough rain this past week? I could use a cup more. <laughs> you might get it a little bit later this morning in Jackson. Yes, yes. Uh, two questions. Yeah. I'm growing cucumbers, and they're really more like little elongated balls, and they've got a white powdery white fuzz on the tip of them. Yeah. Is that a, something that's affecting it and it's going to stop its growth? Or should I just harvest it now and wipe that off and eat it? Well, you wipe it off and eat it. Are they, are they regular size or are they still small? No, they're regular. They're, they're, they're the size of a small sweet potato. Yeah. But, they, but they're not the long cucumber. But I don't really want the variety. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, what I would do, you know, if, if you want some that have a little of that fuzz, you know, just slice it in of, uh, off and eat it. But, you know, if you can harvest a little bit earlier, that would help. I think it's all this rain and the humidity just makes it easier for, for, for fungi to and molds and stuff to grow. So I, I think it's mostly just, you know, weather-related. And second, I've got I've got roses that think that they're Iliagnus. They're just shooting out spears. Yeah. Long as fishing poles. Do you just keep trimming them back? Yeah, yeah. If you'll cut them back to uh, this is one of those little horticulture things. If you cut it uh, above, right above a leaf that's pointing in the direction you want the new growth to come, because the new growth comes out at the at the little leaf joint right below where you make a cut. Well, I'm 
I'm talking about six or seven feet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is, you know, and it's because of all this weather, you know, we've had, you know, warmth, a lot of rain and stuff, especially if you fertilize them. But uh, all you can do is just just cut them back, and they should bloom on new growth. Okay, can I give a shout-out to my favorite gardener of many, many years who's on the road and needs to travel safely? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Tell her to drive safely and slow down a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Elder. Okay. okay. Bert's thinking about you. Slow down, drive safe, and I hope you're smiling, too. Let's go to uh, John's on Interstate 20. Hey, John, I-20 can be Atlanta. It can be Dallas. Well, I'm in Jackson. Okay. What's up? Okay. Traveling from Texas. Yeah. Hey, look, I grew some sweet potatoes last year, and I'm going to grow some this year. But last year, I had a problem with wire worms. Ouch. So That's a tough year, one. I know. It ruined every one of them. So this year, I did buy some of that seven dust uh, granule. Uh-huh. And when I cultivated my soil, I kind of sprinkled a little bit in there and, and, and hoped that it will dissolve and kill them. And I have since planted my potato slips. My question is, can my potatoes absorb that and, and possibly make me sick? <laughs> okay. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a real good question. Several different issues. The, the answer is no. You know, this okay. stuff is not absorbed into plants. So seven is one of the one of the safest, you know, it's a stomach poison. You have to eat it. But the problem is wireworms have to eat it too. Right. And by the time they get through eating it, they're already in your sweet potatoes. And uh, the the problem is that wireworm is a larvae of a, of a, of a, of a beetle. And it's a oh. tough one. Even commercial growers have a hard time controlling this. Well, what's, what, what should I maybe try these. No, that's a really good one because, I mean, wire worms, are, they're really tough. Uh, I'd have to scratch my head a little bit on this because it is a, it's a tough one. Commercial growers use some pretty powerful sprays, it, which right. which I would not recommend in a home gardener. Um, right. You know, you could try mulching. You know, I don't know. I tell you what, if you can, John, shoot me an email. What part of Texas are you from anyway? I'm from Tyler. Tyler, okay, I'm just through Tyler. The uh, I tell you what, now this is a great thing. Uh, can you remember a name, Greg Grant? Greg Grant, sure can. Yeah. Okay, Greg Grant. He's a horticulture agent there in Tyler. You know, just south of the church. Uh, uh, I forget where his office is. Anyway, he, he, he it's probably on Front Street. Yeah, he lives in the Brick District. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Anyway, he is the coolest guy. He's one of the 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 sharpest. He's one of the best known Southern Garden history people. In the country, and happens to be the horticulture agent Tyler. Tell him that you ran into a long-haired old boy from Mississippi who said, "Help you with your wireworms." Because Greg is also he lives in his grandmother's shotgun shack uh, outside of uh, you know down near Garrett. He uh-huh. just he's just up in Tyler during the week, but he's a real gardener, and he will know better than anybody. He's cooler than he can be too. Okay, got one last question, real quick. My Oprah. Has uh, that is doing fine, but it has a lot of little white, almost clear balls on it. They're really, really yeah. small. Yeah, exudate. Yeah, they, okay. they they sort of squeeze out this sticky stuff. That's what the ants are. You know, ants really like that too. Right, right. So it, it's not a problem. Not a problem. Okay, good. Yeah, my Oprah's doing good. Yeah. Listen, thank you a lot. Uh, love your show. Call Greg Grant and tell him, old long-haired boy from Mississippi said, help you with your wire worms. I sure will. Greg Grant, got you covered. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate Hands it. on the wheel. See you, John. Later. Uh-huh. Okay, let's go to Clarksdale up at the Delta. Homer, man, oh man, has it been hot and muggy in the Delta this summer or what? Hey, I need a boat up here. It's raining. <laughs> yeah. um, What's up? Zelda, I raise greens, and what I'm calling about is uh, am yeah. I off track if I actually take 
maybe some 1010 fertilizer because I'm getting my beds ready now. Take some 1010 fertilizer and kind of just lightly spread it out when I break this ground up so it'll actually start to work. And uh, yeah. do I put it, I think fertilizer release, it takes a little while to release, right? So well, put it in there now. Okay, yes and no. You growing these the same place you grew some last year? Yes, sir. Okay, here, here's the deal in a nutshell. Uh, whether it's triple 10 or triple 13 or triple A, any of that kind of stuff, the first, second, third number are important. The second and third number of those, that's phosphorus and potash, those things last for two, three, or more years in the Delta. Farmers don't put that stuff out every year. See, so if you've been using okay. that, you can use that stuff like every other year and have plenty of that second and third number. The the one that that most important is that first number. That's nitrogen. That's what makes them nitrogen. grow right. and and nice and green. Okay. But it doesn't last any time at all. So if you put out some triple ten or triple third, anything like that in the past year or so, you pro- you could have your soil test and it's going to say you're a sky high in those. So you don't have to do those every year. Uh, since nitrogen doesn't last very long, I would wait till you till you plant it and put put something a little nitrogen. Go to the co-op or garden center and get something that's got a high first number. It doesn't take much of this stuff because it's strong, but just a little bit of nitrogen when you plant, and then after it's up and green and growing a little bit, give them a little second shot because nitrogen is the main thing. It doesn't last long at all. Okay, thank you. All right, it's a good guy. Uh, appreciate your call, Homer. And a lot of people don't understand about fertilizer. The triple thirteen, triple A, tri- anything. Bone meal has got a lot of phosphorus in it. Phosphorus lasts a long time and builds up if you keep applying it and can actually interfere with other things. So you really shouldn't add all those kind of fertilizers over and over and over. A soil test will tell you. A little bit of that every couple of three years is fine. A little nitrogen on the middle. And you could use commercial nitrogen, uh, ammonium nitrate, urea, which is slow reacting. You could use uh, natural nitrogen, cottonseed meal, uh, any of those kind of things. But if you have questions about fertilizer, give me a call or shoot me an email. We've got another uh, nine minutes of talking about gardening. Got the lines open. Don't make me play some cheesy music because <laughs> I got some cheesy music if you don't call right away. I'm horticulturist Phil Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. We're some production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Java Chapman in there and, and Sir Patrick P. are working real hard to keep us uh, between the between the ditches on this rainy Southern Summer Weekend. We'll be right back after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing, Gestalt Gardener. We've got time for some more calls if you want to give us a shot. I just got back from St. Louis. I was at the Botanical Garden, and they have a diagnostic place there where extension service is there for people to bring stuff in and call and look things up. I sure wish we had something like that and, uh, all around here. Beautiful gardens. The roses are in bloom. The daylilies are in bloom. Lilies are in bloom. Vegetables are doing great. It's a fantastic the St. Louis Botanical Gardens, one of the top three in the country. If you ever headed that way, I strongly, strongly recommend give yourself two or three hours to go through there. Meanwhile, if we don't have any calls, let's play some real cheesy music here. As of Java's on the other phone there. So anyway, you want to do some uh, cheesy music? A call came pouring in. Is it ready? Can I push it yet? 
Okay, let's do some cheese. Oh, here we go. Nick's calling from Columbus. Nick, you saved us from some cheesy music. Hello, Nick. Hello, Phil. Yes, sir. Phil? Yes, sir. You're on the air. What can I help you with? All right. Uh, hello, ma'am. Uh, I had a question for you about squash. Okay. Squash for about 10 years. Okay. This yeah. is the first year I've had squash. I've got the fruit. Some of it is six inches long. It's got a, 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 a bloom on the end that will not open up. What's the cause of that problem? Uh, the, you know, I don't know, but if you go to, to farmer's markets like in Italy, they sell the squash with the bloom still closed on the end of it. So I think it's just uh, because of the weather, your squash are growing really, really good. It just hadn't opened. You know, until it opens up gets fertilized, it won't really make a squash. Uh, so you got an immature fruit that you can eat, for, you know, the fruit, the flowers and everything. Flower, even the flowers are edible. I, okay, I, so I, it's a... So it's okay to eat the, eat it since it has not germinated. Absolutely, absolutely. As a matter of fact, it'll be extra tender. Okay, that's all I need to know, and I do appreciate it. All right, thank you for your call. Let's go to Madison. Hey, Joseph, thank you, sir. I got cheesy music. You saved us from it. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad to be glad to be able to some help. Uh, <laughs> perhaps you can help me. This is a real basic question. I'm kind of new about tomato plants. Uh-huh. Uh, I had some planted, and we put in early. I mean, we put these things in before Easter, and they've done wonderful. Had a big crop, but now, even before the rains, they started kind of getting thin and kind of yellowing the leaves. And I, my question to you, Father, is when you plant a tomato plant early in the growing season, does it reach its peak and it's gone to flower and it's gone to seed and it's it's done? That's, or will that thing produce until frost? Well, that, that's a good question. There's actually two types of tomatoes. There's bush type and vine type. And the vine type keep growing and keep flowering and keep producing right until they get killed by something, whether disease or drought or heat or frost or whatever. The bush type get up a certain size. They set a whole bunch of fruit over three or four weeks, and then they sort of peter out. And, uh, and I think that's what I'm seeing with my better boys, and I'm just curious as to whether I should. I still got some time before the first frost. Pull them up and, and start a new crop. Yeah, and better boy is a vine type, by the way, and it'll be de- oh. determinate. De- determinate is determined how big it'll get. Indeterminate is the vine type. They'll keep on growing because we don't know how long. But uh, to answer your question, you can plant fresh tomatoes and pepper plants up until the the second, the first week in August, and still get a crop before fall. Okay. All right, well, thanks for your help. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Let's go to, say, in Madison. Hey, Jim, good morning, sir. Good morning. Um, I was just outside um, tip pruning my azaleas, which grow underneath a, a big Confederate jasmine yeah. vine. And I found some things that look like long, skinny green beans growing on the Confederate jasmine. Yeah, that's oh. seeds. That's seeds. Oh, okay. I didn't even know they did seed. Yeah, well, you know, Confederate jasmine, you know, unlike Asian Confederate jasmine, bloom for a long time, and under the right conditions, they'll make seeds. Can I propagate it with seeds? You can, but they root so fast, and by the time you grow something from a seed, uh, seed, seedlings have to go through an immature phase, just like people do, and it may be two or three or four years before we get flowers from one grown from a seed. If you grow them from a cutting, it'll, I mean, this mature wood, it'll keep right on blooming. So I'll, I'll just stick with the cuttings. It's a whole lot easier. But unless you, <laughs> unless you're just like playing around. Ain't nothing wrong with playing around. No, I'm all for easy in this heat and humidity. Okay, Jim. Well, appreciate you paying attention to stuff like yeah. that. And Thank you. You bet. 
And by the way, he said he was out tip pruning his azaleas. This is not too late to, to prune spring blooming stuff by any shot. Uh, but let's go ahead and get it done soon so the new growth has time to come out and mature before fall. The Gestalt Garden is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We call it Think Radio. My producers are hardworking but laid back. Java Chapman. Our phone greeter today is Sir Patrick P. I'm your host, Phil Rushing. I'll be thinking of all of you as I get out to wrap up a few odds and ends this beautiful summer weekend. Hope your garden fares well. Your plant roots are cool. Hope your garden is mosquito-free. But main thing, weekend is too precious to slide. Go to a garden center. Go to a farmer's market. Take a kid or two on a field trip. And see if you can find an opportunity to show others what we do best. And that's get dirty. 